this morning I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to be teaching, sharing on the subject of corporate prayer. And I could have entitled it The Power of Corporate Prayer, The Necessity of Corporate Prayer, The Essential Nature of Corporate Prayer. Any of these particular titles will have done. But um, I've called it The Power of Corporate Prayer because I want to encourage us all concerning being involved in corporate prayer. And I think that, unfortunately, today, um, people look down on corporate prayer. You know, if we look at the church today, a lot of people, I think, whether they think it consciously or not, they live their lives like, well, I can pray on my own. God hears me when I'm on, on my own in my bedroom. Why do I need to go to corporate prayer? Why do I need to go to a prayer meeting? It's boring. I don't like the way the prayer, meets, uh, the prayer leader leads. I don't like the way they sing their songs. I don't like, I get bored. The things that they pray about are not what I want to pray about. Why do I need to go? I can pray God hears me and I'll get my breakthrough. I'll fast and pray on my own. But you see, there's a reason why Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He didn't say, my house will be called a house of preaching, did he? Did he? He didn't say, my house will be called a house of healing. He didn't. My house will be called a house of restoration. My house will be called a house of motivation. My house will be He didn't say any of those things. What did he say? My house will be called a house of prayer. Not my house will be a house where everything happens and people will go and pray on their own at home. No, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations and everything else stems out of that. And I love when I look at um, the one time when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, it's in response to them asking him, isn't it? And they asked him because they were with him when he was praying. They were together. They saw him praying. And then they said, Master, teach us to pray. So in the context of corporate prayer, that's where we're actually supposed to learn to pray. That's where Jesus teaches us how to pray. Because I don't know everything there is to know about prayer. And neither do you. Amen. We learn together. And Jesus, when he gave the disciples, when he taught the disciples how to pray, how did he, what did he say? He said, when you pray, say, our Father. Our Father. They were praying together. There's something about corporate prayer that God loves. There's something about corporate prayer where God says, this is the foundation. This is fundamental to my church. This is how I want my church to be known. When people look at my church, I want them to see this characteristic. This is the nature of my church. It's a prayerful church. They pray together. And you know what? There's some breakthroughs that we will never, never never get on our own. We just won't. Because God is a God who doesn't like independence. God is a God who wants his church to be interdependent. If you can think of, um, you know, in sort of hundreds of years ago where they would fight those battles, they would fight those wars, where um, they would use, the cities would be surrounded by a wall and they would have a big gate. You're, you're, you've watched some of those movies. And when uh, when an army was attacking a city like that, how would they attack it? Maybe they would shoot, archers would shoot firing arrows to start fires around the, uh, around the top of the, the city. But the guys would come with a big battering ram and they would all get underneath this battering ram and in unison they would run at the gates of the city together and they would keep running and smashing into the gates until it opened. Am I correct? Now, 
Would they have got a breakthrough like that if it was one person? Never. One person couldn't pick up that battering ram. Would they, what impact would one archer make with one bow? Insignificant. That is a picture of corporate prayer. There are breakthroughs that are there that we will only get when we come together in prayer. So corporate prayer is really, really critical. Really critical. And I've, um, my message today, I've broken it up into about five points. I'm asking what, where, when, how, and why of corporate prayer. So I'm going to look at those five questions this morning. Um, and the first one is what? So what is corporate prayer? What qualifies as corporate prayer? And I've got a few scriptures here and two Chronicles 5, verse 11 to 14. I love this. The priests withdrew from the holy, holy place. The Levites were there. They were playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by priests playing trumpets. The musicians joined in in unison. That's really important, to give praise and thanks to the Lord. And they sang, he is good, his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. You see, there's something about unified prayer and worship, something about unified praise and thanksgiving, something about unified prayer that allows us to experience the presence of God in a greater way. The Holy Spirit often moves in hearts and lives in these environments. But can you see here in, in this particular scripture, they joined in unison. They joined in unison. See, the nature of corporate prayer and the nature of corporate worship actually is not I come to church to have my own personal quiet time in a corner over there and I close my eyes and I'm singing to the Lord, Lord, I give you my heart. I'm praying what's on my heart and I'm not even listening to what the praise and worship leader or to what the prayer leader is saying because I've come to corporate prayer but I'm having my personal quiet time in the corner. Is that corporate prayer? No, it's not 55 people having their own personal quiet times. No, you have your own personal quiet time at home. Have your time of devotion at home. Now, I'm not saying God can't speak to us in corporate prayer. Yes, of course he will. But we all flow in the same direction. We pray in agreement. We like that battering ram in unison. And then the temple of the Lord will be filled with a cloud so that we can't even perform our service because of the glory of the Lord. When there's unity, amen. Amen. In Joel 1 verse 14, it says, Sanctify a fast, call an assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the, of the land in the house of the Lord, and cry to the Lord in penitent pleadings. Call an assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land. That's corporate prayer, a gathering of everybody. In Acts 2 verse 42 it says, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Unity. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. Unity. At a heart level. Not just at a lip level, at a mouth level. Not just we come to church and we smile and we walk out the door and we speak against our brother. Not we come to prayer meeting and smile and we walk out the door and complain about the prayer leader. Amen. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. Unity. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. 
Isn't that awesome? So act, the act, the church and acts came together regularly for prayer. And yes, they met house to house and they met in the temples. And we're going to look at that just now. But that is corporate prayer. Acts 4 verse 24, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God and prayed, O sovereign Lord, and there's a whole prayer there. All the believers lifted their voice together to God and pray and prayed. You see, corporate prayer is a gathering of believers who lift up our voices to God in unity, in repentance, and in all manner of prayer and of worship. Biblically, there's no distinction between praise and worship and prayer. Like we don't have, they aren't separate meetings for those three things. In actual fact, they all flow together. They all, we can sing our prayers. We can declare, sing our thanksgiving. We can say our prayers, say our thanksgiving. They all kind of come together in prayer, okay? Corporate prayer is a gathering of believers lifting up their voices to God in unity, in repentance, in all manner of prayer and of worship, Beautiful. And it doesn't matter if the prayer leader prays in English and everyone follows. It doesn't matter if everyone prays all out, out all at once. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The style doesn't matter. But the, what, what is important is our heart. And are we connected? Are we going in the same direction, wanting the same thing, praying for the same thing? Okay. If there's a gathering where people are crying out to God with one heart, one mind, that is corporate prayer. Okay, so that is the what of corporate prayer. Corporate prayer, as we'll see now, it can happen two or three people. It can happen in a church play, a venue. It can happen in small groups. It can happen in, in where families gather together. It doesn't have to happen in the church building. It happens when a number of Christians come together. That is corporate prayer. Okay, so the first question was what? The second question is why? Why do we need to pray corporately? And I'm going to look at a number of reasons why we need to, do so, need to do so and we don't just pray at home alone, okay? The first reason, and I've touched on this, is because Jesus calls his house a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus calls his house that. And if Jesus calls his house that, I want to be what, where, where he is doing his work, you see, if we're building a house that is not a house of prayer, I want to ask you a question. Whose house are we building? If we're building a house that is primarily a TV ministry, whose house are we building and whose ministry are we building? Fundamental, and, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but I'm saying fundamental, and before we look at any of those other things, his house has to be a house of prayer. Yes. We need to build his house you know, it says, actually, I'll look at it just now, okay? His house is a house of prayer. And we see the scripture in Isaiah 56, verse 7. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. So there's joy. There should be joy in corporate prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And this is the scripture that Jesus was, co was quoting in the Gospels, um, in, and an example I've got is Mark 11. It says, Then Jesus went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. So those who have contrary motives, all other motives, he overturned their tables. He would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And he taught, saying, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? My house will be called a house of prayer 
for all nations. It must be characterized by prayer. Everything else in our ministry should come out of prayer. And this is critical. You know, um, in Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. If we are not building his house, we're laboring in vain. Amen. We can labor for personal names. We can labor for, um, you know, we want to get our name on this, our name on that, have a YouTube this, have all of those things. But if we are not building his house, we labor in vain. Because if we want his help, we've got to build his kingdom. And he says, seek first my kingdom, and then all those things will be added to you. Amen. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So that's the first reason why. The second reason why we should do corporate prayers because the early church in Acts gave us a really great model of doing this. Okay, Megan Hill says, The book of Acts reveals that the early church was serious about praying together. They prayed together in the temple and in their homes when they were sick and when they were filled with the spirits, at mealtimes and in times of persecution. Again and again we find them all together, devoting themselves to prayer. As our local churches take up valuable projects in places where we live and work, we must not neglect the most vital work that undergirds everything we do. We must not neglect that most vital work, which is praying together. Acts 4, 24 to 31. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And he carried on praying. And at the end of this prayer, it says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. After this prayer, not before this prayer, after this corporate prayer, the meeting place shook. If we, like my husband said, if we want to see New Testament power in our midst, we have to embrace New Testament lifestyle. They prayed together. They prayed long, they prayed hard, and they experienced a shaking. They experienced the glory of God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They preached with boldness. They saw signs. They saw wonders. They saw miracles. And you know what? It's not going to be one man's prayer and intercession and fastings that will do this. It takes a whole body, a whole body of believers. Then we'll see it. Amen. So please don't sit in your chair and wait for the fastings of my husband and the prayers of him to bring about great miracles in this church. God is waiting for all of us to arise and take our place and go into times of fasting and go into times of prayer and say, Lord, we want to see your power. We want to see the miraculous. And you know what? When we all rise up and do that, there's an acceleration and we'll see it oh so much sooner. Let's not wait for 10 years when we can see it in five months. Amen. We do corporate prayer because we're instructed in the New Testament to do so. In Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways to do so. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. See, the author of Hebrews was saying, even then was saying, you know what, some people neglect meeting together, but we prioritize it. And you know what, in, in, in Acts, 
when they would prioritize it and they would meet together, of course prayer was a part of their meetings. Of course it was. But encourage one another. We are encouraged when we pray corporately. In 1, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 8 it says, In every place of worship I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. So first of all, don't say, oh, you know, why do we have to pray in Sunday service? Why do we have to pray? No. Here we learn, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. So free from anger and controversy speaks to our hearts. Our hearts must be right. In every place of worship, whenever we gather together to worship, there should be prayer. That's what we learn here, corporate prayer. But this is the beauty of the scripture. I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up. You know what that word for men is? It's not the universal men and women, brothers and sisters, everybody lift up holy hands. No, it's men. Men, as in man, male, masculine, men. Okay? So, men, this is my charge to you. We don't want prayer meetings filled with women and there are no men. Can I hear an amen, ladies? Too often, too long in churches, you see prayer meetings filled with women. And I see here Paul instructing Timothy, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up. Men, arise in Jesus' name. We need men prayer leaders, not just women prayer leaders. We need men prayer groups, not just women's prayer groups. Hallelujah. Men, it's time to arise. Amen. There's something that a man carries that a woman doesn't carry. And ladies, we'll never carry it because God didn't design us to carry it. And men, you carry something in prayer that we need. We need the men to arise. A man is a warrior. Amen. There's something about the strength of a man. There's something spiritually about a man when he prays, when he leads in prayer. And we need you men to arise. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. Men, you must come to ignite. Men, we need you to lead at ignite. Amen. Men, we need you to start prayer meetings in your workplaces, in your businesses, in your families. Hallelujah. And when it says, when it's talking there about, um, sorry, my computer is so slow. I want men in every place of worship. That place of worship, it's talking about geographical location. So he's not talking about in every church service. He's talking about in every geographical location when you meet for worship, in every geographical location where you meet. I want men to be praying, to be lifting holy hands. Okay. Isn't that encouraging, ladies? Amen. Amen. Okay, for three. Ladies, isn't that encouraging? Amen. Amen. Right. Men are arising to lead prayer. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, one will teach, another will have some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. We're looking at the why of corporate prayer. The why. When you meet together, we will meet together. And when you meet together, it's going to strengthen all of us. Okay, I'm going to look more at that scripture a bit later. 
1 Corinthians 5 verse 4, when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit, the power of the Lord Jesus is present when you are assembled. So we're seeing here that Paul was assuming they would be assembling when you meet together, okay? Not if, it's when. When you're assembled, the power of the Lord Jesus is present. When you are assembled, it will strength, you'll be strengthened, okay? Romans 15 verse 30, brothers and sisters, I'm asking you through the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray for me with the love the Lord, the Holy Spirit provides. Paul was saying, hey guys, please pray for me. In your meetings, pray for me. Remember me in your prayers. So Paul was asking that it's the same today. We need to meet and pray for our leaders. Okay, number four. The fourth reason why we must, why corporate prayer is to maximize on the power of agreement. To maximize on the power of agreement. Yes, you know, we know when we pray, we're agreeing with the Lord. That's important, yeah. <laughs> okay. But how many of you know that when I agree with my husband in prayer, it's powerful, Sometimes my husband and I have just agreed on something. We haven't even prayed about it. We've been talking about it and we've agreed on it. Before we even pray about it, we see it coming to pass. Do you know what that is? That's the power of agreement. That is the nature of the power of agreement. Very powerful. Husbands and wives, be careful when you fight. It destroys your power of agreement. Restore, make up, reconcile, get back into agreement. Ladies, don't go off and do something on your own against the will of your husband and pray and ask God to help you because you're, in, you're not submitted to him and there's no power of agreement. Very dangerous place. Amen. Matthew 18 verse 19, it says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Powerful. Leviticus 26 verse 8, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. There's something about corporate prayer. Something about it. There's a spiritual dynamic. There's a power behind agreements in corporate prayer. When there's a big group of people praying, there's a spiritual power that you, we can't understand, I think, as believers. And we need to tap into that. I love this example about Peter when Peter was in prison. It says um, in Acts 12, verse 5 to 9, while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Okay, so Peter was about to be placed on trial. The church is praying for him the night before. He's in chains. He's, be he's between two guards. He's locked up. And, and he, he basically could be executed the next day. Okay? And it says the church prayed very earnestly for him. They were definitely in unity. Okay? And they prayed for him. Suddenly, Peter, where Peter was, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awake him and said, get up, quick. The chains fell off his wrists. The angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, and he did. And he followed the angel, and he left the cell, but he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happen happening. Then he came to his senses, and he realized it's really true. And we see what he says. He says, the Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. You see, there are certain breakthroughs that will only occur with corporate prayer. 
That breakthrough that happened for Peter, that happens because the church was praying in unity earnestly for him. See, there's certain breakthroughs for you and for your business. There's certain breakthroughs for this church. There's certain breakthroughs for the church in Johannesburg, the church in Pretoria. There's certain breakthroughs for the church corporates in South Africa. There's certain breakthroughs for this nation that are not going to happen until the church arises and prays corporately in agreement. It just is that way. And what is the problem? The problem is that most of the church is so busy, so consumed with my world, with my breakthrough, with my finances, with my children, with me, me, my, my, my holiday. No, I can't go to corporate prayer because. No, I can't go to corporate prayer because. Because I'm tired. Because I've got to get up early and go to gym tomorrow. Because I want to go away for a weekend. Because, because. And we're so busy. And there's nothing wrong with doing that once or twice. But when it becomes a habit, which is what we see in Johannesburg and Gauteng, it's a habit. People, it's like we're entitled. We've got an entitlement mentality as Christians. I'm entitled to my holiday. I'm entitled. Yes, you're entitled to that. But remember, your life is actually not your own. Hello. Did you receive Jesus as your Savior only or your Lord and your Savior? Because when I look at scripture, he says, do not neglect the gathering together. We were instructed to pray corporately. So if you're not coming to corporate prayer, if I'm not coming to corporate prayer, if I'm so busy chasing my triathlons and my training, looking after my family and my kids, and I'm too busy to come to church, and I'm too busy to pray with other believers, then something is wrong with my life. Something is wrong with my values. I have to build my life on the Bible. Otherwise, I'm playing games. I'm playing games. The problem with the church today is we're playing games. We're playing Christianity. We've got our foots in Christianity just enough to appease our conscience. And we hope that our pastor will lead us into power, but we're not willing to pay the price. There's a price in the kingdom. There's a price. All of those men and women that you look up to, whether it's businessmen, whether it's men and women with great power, moving great miracle signs and wonders, I will tell you one thing that all of them have in common. They paid a price. And I'm telling you what part of that price was. It was prayer and it was fasting, I'm telling you. We can't play games. I don't want to play games. Come to church Sunday in, Sunday out. We've got to move on, people. Amen. I want to see breakthroughs like that from our prayers. That power is for us. It's not just for some, you know, some ministry, famous prayer ministry in America. No, it's for us as Go Christian Church. We can have those breakthroughs because we have the power of agreement, because we have the Holy Spirit. These things are for us. Hallelujah. And we're going to see it. Amen. Okay, corporate prayer, another reason is to assist with unity, to assist with unity. True agreement is built on unity. How can two walk together unless they agree? True agreement, true agreement is based on unity. You see, we can't come to pray and pray and think we're praying in agreement because we're saying yes with our mouths, but in our hearts, 
we've got bitterness against this one and we're angry with that one and we're irritated with our husband and we're not talking to him and we're frustrated with the prayer leader and we've got all of these things. That's not unity. That's not agreement. Amen. All of us have got a responsibility to look after our hearts when we come in, when we come into a corporate gathering. There must be unity. I love the scripture in Acts 2, and I read it earlier. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the, te the te teachings of the apostles. Okay, I can stop there. Every believer was devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Well, that's to following the teachings of the word. Devoted. Devoted to following. That means they didn't just attend. They applied it in their lives. That means they were in agreement with it. They were all being discipled together. Unity. Can you see that? Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. Unity. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if our hearts could be more mutually linked to one another? Were we following the teachings together? Amen. Philippians 2, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Wow, I love that scripture. That's what we're meant to be like in the body of Christ. And in Luke 22, when Jesus um, it says he went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him and they reached a certain place and Jesus said to them, he gave them the instruction. He said, guys, this is your prayer theme. This is your prayer theme. So he, he wanted their agreement. Okay, he wanted them to be in agreement and he says, guys, this is what I want you to pray. Pray that you won't fall into sin when you are tempted. And then he moved a short distance from, from them and he continued in prayer. And he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering from me. What was Jesus doing? He was also praying along those lines. He's saying, Lord, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will, not mine. So Jesus was praying along the lines that he told them, wasn't he? Right, then he comes back and he sees them. He's, and he found them sleeping. And he says, why are you sleeping? Get up. And he reminds them of the focus of prayer. Get up, pray you won't fall into sin where you're tempted. You see, I think this particular scripture is a, is a picture of where we're at in many places in the body of Christ. We know what to pray. We've had so many teachings about prayer. We know what the themes are. We know what we should be praying into. But we just are so tired. we just fallen asleep. And Jesus is saying, get up, wake up, go Christian church, trace, Paul, Sipo, all of you guys, Mummy, wake up, it's time to pray, wake up. When I was at a prayer conference in Cape Town, it was quite funny, the, the, the man who was ministering at the conference and teaching, he said that um, he really struggles sometimes at night when he gets so tired and he wants to sleep, but he knows he has to pray. And so what he does is he refuses to let his body get into bed. He says, body, you are not getting into bed. You are going to go here. And he puts himself where there's just a cold stone floor. And he says, you know what? I know that if I go to my bed and I fall asleep, I'm going to sleep all night. 
But he says, if I make myself and I tell my body, body, you are going to pray this evening. And there's only a, a, a stone floor that's cold. If, as soon as my body starts to sleep, it's only going to sleep for about half an hour. It's going to wake up because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> so he put in measures to stop himself from sleeping. And I think some of us, we need to do that. I need to do that. Amen. Okay. Another reason why we need corporate prayer, to bring about deliverance, to bring about great deliverance. And this is similar to bringing about breakthroughs. I said, I, I used Peter as an example. But here, Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10 to 11 says, And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. When we stand here on Monday nights, on Tuesday, on Monday nights, on whatever mornings, whenever we stand here and pray, Friday nights, and we pray for protection, it works. It works. He says, and he rescued us from mortal danger. And you are helping us by praying for us. And then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety, God answers prayers. And you know, there are prayers that we pray individually that we should probably be praying corporately. Imagine the prayer for protection, a corporate prayer. We can pray prayers because we live in Centurion. There's an element of authority that we have in Centurion. Amen. We can pray certain prayers for protection on the roads in Centurion. We can refuse hijackings. We can refuse certain things in our neighborhoods, especially as we gather to pray. I, I want to encourage you, if you live in the same estate, if you live in the same neighborhood, gather together, short prayer time, take authority over your geographical location and refuse certain things. Pray certain scriptures. Lord, I declare that you are the wall of fire round about this neighborhood in Club View. Lord, we refuse any break-ins. We declare that you are the glory in our midst. Lord, we declare that anyone who tries to penetrate this neighborhood with ill intention for break-ins, for robberies, for hijackings, we declare that their way will be hedged up in the name of Jesus. We, and you just pray strong prayers over your locations together in agreement. Powerful. Of course God will hear. To experience an increase in the prophetic and an angelic activity in our midst. When the church was praying for Peter in Acts, they were praying earnestly in agreement. What happened? An angel appeared to Peter. Earnest prayers of agreement, corporately, angelic activity. What else? Peter had a very strong prophetic experience. If we're wanting to see increase in angelic activity, increase in the prophetic in our midst, a key to that is corporate prayer. A key to that is corporate prayer. Don't come and tell me that God has called you to be a prophet, but you pray on your own because you can hear on your own. Don't come and tell me that. God doesn't make lone ranges. You're just opening yourself up for deception. If we're wanting to see increase in prophetic, grow in prophetic gifts, it's going to happen corporately. Amen. Number nine, to bring healing. To bring healing. That's why we need corporate prayer. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek, crave and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. It's corporate prayer that's going to heal South Africa's challenges. Corporate prayer followed by salvation and repentance. Biblical worldview, but it starts with prayer. Amen. 
And who can pray corporately? Unbelievers? It's the church. Amen. We have the answer. James 5 verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's not confess your sins to the Holy Spirit in the silence of your room and pray and, and trust him as you pray for yourself so that you may be healed. It says confess your sins to each other. There's a corporate nature of it. I'm not, I'm not saying publicize your sins to the whole church. Confess your sins to each other, people you trust, and pray for each other that you may be healed. There's an element of praying for each other that is expected of us. When was the last time that you prayed for other people in your prayer time? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Hallelujah. Number 10, the why, to learn from others. We can all learn from each other. Amen. We can all learn from each other. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it was in the context of corporate prayer. When we learn to pray, it's supposed to be in the context of corporate prayer. If you look at Mary's prayer in Luke 1 verse 46 to, uh, to 55, I'm not going to read the whole prayer. I'll read the start of it. But you'll see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, she must have learned something about prayer from Hannah. Because her prayer is very similar to Hannah's. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And she carries on. Go and read it. You'll see it's very, very similar to Hannah's prayer. Hannah prays and says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord. And she continues, very similar. Mary must have known about Hannah's prayer. Okay. Another example is Paul, when he was still Saul, must have learned something about prayer from Stephen. Do you remember when they were stoning Stephen? And you see this in Acts 7, verse 54, to Acts 8, verse 1. Basically, Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit, gazes into heaven and sees the glory of God and says, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then all the Pharisees, including Saul, stopped up their ears and they ran at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. It says, now Saul was consenting to his death. So Saul was there. Saul heard everything that he said. And that was a reason why Saul stoned him and killed him. Okay. So Saul must have learned something, must have been cut to the cut in his heart by what Stephen said. Jesus, as I said, taught his disciples after they were together in prayer. We, I looked at that earlier. Another example, Luke 9 verse 28, Jesus took some of his disciples and went up on a mountain and prayed. It says, now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. He took them. He said, come guys, let's go pray. You bet your bottom dollar that they learned from Jesus. They learned something about prayer from Jesus. Paul assumes we'll meet together with the goal of mutual edification. 
Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, so you will meet together. When you meet together, one will sing, another teach, another tell some special revelation God has given, another speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. But everything must be done to strengthen all of you. And I just want to say something at this point. You know, something about the prophetic is that God never gives the whole picture to one person. Never. Except maybe Jesus, right? Because he was perfect. So you can say to me, well, I'm prophetic and I can see, yes, but you're only seeing a, part, a portion of the picture. I know when I'm standing up here and I feel the Lord speaking to me for the church, that he's only showing me a piece of the puzzle, a piece of the picture. I just go with what he says because I'm just the postman, right? So when we come together in a corporate setting, there's something that you will have that might be for the body. That might be for the whole, now it might be something that God is actually speaking to you personally and you're misinterpreting it as for the whole setting, but, that, but you don't have to discern that. You can come forward and just whisper and whoever's leading the service, say, you know what, this is what I sense God is saying. And that's powerful if we have more people doing that because we each get a piece of the picture. We used to have a lady here who was very prophetic and she'd often come forward and say, well, I sense this or I sense that. And you know what? It's so encouraging when someone comes forward and they say, sure, I'm sensing this. And it's some of what you were sensing or it's what you were sensing. And it affirms and you're like, okay, Lord, you're really saying this. Let me do something on it. So I want to encourage you that no one person sees the whole picture. If you get something prophetically in a meeting, come forward. Don't be ashamed. We all learn, right? Come forward and tell the person who's leading the meeting. Now, if you get it and it's burning so strongly inside of you and you give it to them and you know like you know God has said it, your responsibility is just to deliver the message and it ends there. So if the person overseeing the flow of the meeting decides, you know what, this is not going to fit in here, I think we'll just keep it and we'll pray about it. Or that's really good to know, we'll use it in corporate prayer later and they don't say anything, don't take offense. Don't take offense. As, po- as prophetic people, we're really just the postmen, okay? We deliver the message and we pray, okay? But your part of the picture is important. When you meet together, one will have this, one will have that. One will have this prayer burden, one will have this scripture, one will have this prophetic word. Let's all come together and bring what we have because it increases the power of agreement, amen? You know, I remember when we used to have Tuesday night prayer meetings and... Um, Often the Lord will give me a sense of what we're going to pray into before I came. And I remember there was this one particular Tuesday night prayer meeting, corporate prayer meeting where I came. And it's like, you know, there are lots of things you can pray into, but I knew that God hadn't given me what he wanted us to pray into for the meeting. And I walked through that door and I was like, Lord, any time now would be really nice. It was about to start. The meeting started. He still hadn't laid something particular on my heart and I stood here, and as I stood here, he gave me a scripture. I, I read the scripture, we prayed. And as we were praying, somebody had a song. Then someone else said, you know what, I really sense this. Then someone else said, you know what, I really sense that. What was he doing? The whole meeting was like that, where someone would sense something. I could hear someone praying, and I'm like, the Holy Spirit is on that person. We need to do what, pray what they... The whole meeting was like that. Why was he doing that? He was teaching me. He was helping me to be sensitive to him. But also, it's such a good picture of how we all have a piece. We all have a part. We all have a piece of the picture. We all see something. And when we all bring what we're seeing and what God is saying to us and through us, it becomes oh so much more powerful and beautiful and fun. Amen. Okay.
Right. So this, that basically feeds into my 11th point. Why do we need corporate prayer? Because we need to hear from God. And there's a dimension of hearing from God that we, we operate in when we're in corporate prayer that we might not operate in in our own. There's a dimension of that. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, For we know in part and prophesy in part. We know in part and prophesy in part. When everyone comes to the party and brings their part, the picture is so much more complete. Okay. And, you know, and, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, let all things be done decently and in order. So we can't have 55 people shouting out their prophetic words from the congregation. Okay. That's why we do it that way. There must be order. But it's great when people have the boldness to come forward. And it's important that we interdependence. It's important that everybody plays their part. And my, as I was chatting with my husband about this yesterday, and um, we were just talking about prophetic drafting. You know, in cycling races, I don't know if you've seen when they do the Tour de France and cycling races like that, but they cycle in pelotons, in groups. And why do they do that? They cycle so close on each other's wheels, like literally, if the one guy... Does a, you know, they would touch and crash if the one guy just makes a little turn. Why do they do that? They do that because the wind, the resistance is reduced by about 25% if you cycle on someone's tail like that. That means that you can go much faster for much longer and it costs you less energy if you cycle on someone's tail, okay? That's drafting in a cycle race. In triathlon, we're not allowed to draft. Okay, there has to be 12 meters between the wheel of the bike in front of me and my bike. Why? Because they don't want me to have any unfair um, gain by cycling in someone else's draft. But you know what? That's such a beautiful picture of prophetic drafting. When we all come together and we are prophesying and praying together, there's an element of that. It's much easier to prophesy, much easier to hear God. I know when I'm praying with my husband, sometimes we'll be, I'll be sitting there and I'll be literally getting the words as he's praying them. And then when he finishes, I just start and it just, it flows much more easily. There's a prophetic spirit, a prophetic drafting that happens when we're together. And that's why, that's another dimension of corporate prayer. That is so precious, and we need to take advantage of that. I want to encourage you, if you have a prophetic gift, if you feel like God is calling you to pray more, be more in prayer meetings. Be more in, in corporate meetings where there's, where there's prophetic people there because you're going to grow. You're going to find yourself operating at a higher dimension than you would on your own, and that can become your new norm. Amen. Okay. The Lord speaks in corporate gatherings, and, and the scripture that I have here for us is 2 Chronicles 20, when the Moabites and Ammonites are coming to war against Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat fears, and most of us know that Jehoshaphat fears, and he sets himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaims a corporate fast, okay? And they gather together corporately, all of Judah, and they ask God, for help. And Jehoshaphat prays and he says, Oh Lord, are you not God in heaven? And he prays this whole prayer. You can see it in 2 Chronicles 20. This is what happens after his corporate prayer. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you Judah. 
Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid nor dismayed of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find your enemies by the brook of the wilderness of Jeruel. You'll not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now, I just have a question. Would God have responded and said that privately, one-on-one to Jehoshaphat, if he was the only one in fasting and prayer? I don't know. What I see in scripture was that he proclaimed a fast. Everybody was in that prayer meeting. Everybody was fasting. The Lord ministers to their emotional needs. He says, do not fear. The Lord uncovers the position of the enemy. He says, that's where the enemy is going to be tomorrow. The Lord gives them a strategy and a battle plan. He says, this is what you must do. The Lord encourages them and he says, I've got this. See, sometimes we're on our own and we're wanting breakthrough, wanting strategy, we're wanting to hear, Lord, why is this not working for me? Why is this not working out? Where is the enemy in my life? And the Lord is maybe waiting on us to come to corporate prayer and to address it together. And he's going to address the issue together because maybe you're not the only one. Maybe it's a corporate challenge. Maybe there are multiple people in the same place as you. And he wants to speak to us corporately and we can address it corporately. Amen. Okay, how should we pray in corporate prayer? I love what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 7 to 8. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions like the heathen do. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions like the unbelievers do. Our vain repetitions show our unbelief. Our vain repetitions. Oh, Lord God, Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, I thank you. Oh, Lord God, Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus. Oh, Lord God, Father God, uh, And we're actually just hearing the sound of our voice because we just want to be seen to be praying, but we're praying nonsense, okay? (laughs) Okay, and all of us have done it, okay? No, don't use vain repetitions. Your father knows what you need. Ask him. Amen. Acts 1 verse 12 to 14. The disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem. And they were all together and a number of women, including Mary and Jesus' mother, his brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with passion, interceding night and day. Wow. Oh, Lord, how many of you want that for us? Lord, may we be united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Can you see that one three-hour Ignite session once a month is not enough? Can you see that? So we're wanting to grow, we're wanting to build, all of them gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Acts 2.42, their hearts were mutually linked to one another, coming together regularly for prayer, a regularity, a passion, a night and day. Sure. When? When should we be in corporate prayer? Well, that scripture in Acts 1, all of them united in prayer, gripped with passion, interceding night and day as much as we can, whenever we can, night and day. Acts 5 verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus the Messiah. And I bet you there were were prayers involved in that too. Isaiah 62, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. I'm setting watchmen on your walls, O go church. They shall never hold their peace day or night. They shall never hold their peace day or night. Oh Lord, we need your fire in us to help us do that. I don't know about you, but I can't do that on my own. 
They shall never hold their peace day or night. You make mention of the Lord. Do not keep silence and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise. Until he establishes what he said he wanted to do. Give him no rest. Keep on praying day and night. Wow. Wow. Where? Where can we have corporate prayer? In our homes, in our churches, wherever two or three or more will gather. We see number one in our homes in Acts 2 verse 42. All the de believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, and to pray. Acts 2.42, I've said this before a number of times. Their hearts were mutually linked together, sharing communion, coming together regularly for prayer. Acts 5, and every day in the temple from house to house. Household prayer is really important in terms of hospitality and also evangelism. 19th century minister and theologian J.W. Alexander wrote, We are perhaps ready enough to make our guests welcome, to provide for their logic and refreshment, to show them the wonders of our environs, our beautiful homes in other words, and to invite friends for their entertainment. But besides this, we owe a duty to their souls. He's saying, come on, guys, there's a spiritual dynamic too. Megan Hill, she wrote a book on, on corporate prayer. When we include our guests in our times of family prayer, we provide for their spiritual needs. If they're fellow believers, our prayers will be an encouragement to them, welcoming them into the spiritual life of our home. If they are non-Christians, our prayers can stand as a testimony before them, pointing them to the one who is Lord of our home, because it's our home and he's Lord of our home, you're in our home, so we pray. Amen. Who knows, but that because of our household prayers, we may, we may one day find past dinner guests seated beside us at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Isn't that beautiful? So are you maximizing on your times when you're together? Some of you do gym together. Maybe you can pray together 10 minutes before, 10 minutes after. Some of you are going to be gathering to watch the soccer match tonight. Man U versus Liverpool. Amen. I know. <laughs> Maybe you can pray for 10 minutes before the match. Not about your team. <laughs> okay? Not only about your team. Okay? Just 10 minutes before, 15 minutes after. You know, when you meet for coffee, ladies. When you meet, just 10 minutes. That's corporate prayer. Okay? Just spend a few minutes together when you invite people, when we invite people to our homes, just grace, extend it a bit, okay? In our church venue, uh, in the temple from house to house, they continued to meet, okay? In any place, we agree to meet and pray together. We see this when Jesus takes Peter, John, and James up on the mountain to pray or praying with them on Mount, the Mount of Olives or in the Garden of Gethsemane. I just want to finish and land this whole message some of you thought I was never going to finish, but I'm finishing now. I'm landing. Please don't. Please carry on listening to me. Some of the hindrances to corporate prayer, you know, sometimes I think, and all of us are guilty of this, okay? Sometimes I think we avoid prayer because we don't like the style of the prayer leader, because we're self-conscious. We don't really think we know how to pray, and it's easier to pray on our own. But you know, we're supposed to learn how to pray in corporate prayer. Maybe it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable sitting on that chair. I'd much rather be sitting on my bed or sitting in my office with an air conditioner that actually reaches me, okay? Maybe it's not convenient coming here. It's difficult to find a park at night. 
And anyway, you don't like leaving here. You're a lady and there's some dubious folks hanging around in the parking lot. You know, it's not convenient. Maybe it's independence linked to pride. I want to pray my stuff as opposed to what the prayer leader wants to pray. You know? But I think we have to move beyond these things. We have to move into a place of maturity. Even if you feel and believe you're more mature than the prayer leader, that's okay. Maturity is seen in people's ability to deal with immaturity. Our maturity in God is seen in our, with our ability to deal with immaturity. You know, how I deal with immature children shows my maturity or lack thereof. Okay, Jesus is building his house and his house is a house of prayer and I want to be in the house that Jesus is building and I want to be about his business and if he says his house is a house of prayer, then let's do that. Can you say amen? Let's do that. Let's build his house, build a house of prayer and then everything else will flow out of that. Okay, so in conclusion, corporate prayer is a gathering of believers lifting up our voices to God in unity in repentance, in all manner of prayer and in worship. It's important. Corporate prayer is critical. It's not an optional extra alongside everything else that I'm involved in in church. No. It's the core of the church that Jesus is building. It's characteristic of his church. Jesus called his house a house of prayer. A house of prayer. We have to follow God's blueprint for his house as set out by the wise master builder himself. Okay, and at the end of the day, let's remember that corporate prayer is as much for my benefit and your benefit personally as it is for the people and the things we pray for. We all need it. We all need to grow. We all need to be strengthened in prayer. We all need to be stretched in prayer because if this person next to me is going for it three hours into the prayer meeting and I'm getting tired, I'm going to be stretched to pray longer. Amen. We all need that. We see prayer, corporate prayer, modeled in the book of Acts by the early church. We hear Paul and instructing us around it. We, we hear ourselves being instructed in the epistles. We read of great deliverances, great breakthroughs, prophetic encounters, angelic visitations, miracle signs and wonders because of corporate prayer. Let's not neglect corporate prayer. Amen. Let's not, let's not, let us not neglect to pray corporately in our homes, in our workplaces, in church wherever we can, and trust God for him to build his church and his kingdom in and through us. Can you bow your heads, please? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask my husband to come up. Father God, we read and we hear, and we're reminded this morning of how important prayer is to you, Lord, how fundamental prayer is, corporate prayer is. And Lord Jesus, we know even now you ever live to live into, to make intercession for us. We pray that we would be those who would carry your hearts, carry your hearts, Lord. We pray that we would be a church where you can honestly say this house is a house of prayer for all nations. We bring ourselves before you this morning, Lord, and we acknowledge our prayerlessness as individuals and our prayerlessness as a church. We acknowledge, Lord, the paucity of our prayer lives and our corporate prayer. Lord, we've had prayer once, once a month, sometimes twice a month, Lord God, in this church building. Then a few other prayer meetings scattered around. Father, we, we realize and we recognize that this is not a house. These are just meetings, and we want you to build us into a house of 
of prayer, where when we come together as believers, we are characterized by prayer. So we ask that you would have mercy on us this morning. And if you are with me on this, if you want to be part of that house of prayer, won't you just stand to your feet with every eye closed, every head bowed. You just stand to your feet. If you're saying, Lord, I want to be a part of your house of prayer. I want to be a part of everything that you are building right now. And maybe you're not a member of Go Church. That's okay. His house of prayer is beyond Go Christian Church. His house is his church his corporate church. And Father, those of us standing here this morning, we say, here we are, Lord God, send us. Would you help us to order our priorities aright? Would you help us to order our personal lives aright? Father, we ask that you would set a fire inside of us and give us the unction to function. We ask, Lord God, that you would pour out that spirit of grace and supplication to greater levels in our lives, that there would be an ease around prayer. We ask, Lord God, that you would take us to new levels of hearing you, new levels of hearing your heart, new levels, Lord God, of stepping into the prophetic, of seeing things, of having dreams. We pray, Lord God, that you would make us those who are faithful to carry your heart in prayer individually, Lord, and also corporately. Father, we, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would breathe on our meetings, that they would be filled with your life, that they would be filled with that spirit of grace and supplication, that there would be such an ease to pray and pray and keep praying. There would be such an ease to sense what you saying. Lord God, I ask even in this time that there would be prophetic gifts activated in our midst, even in this season, Lord, that you would call out and pull out those who you've touched, whose lives you set apart to operate more and more in the prophetic. And I just speak an unlocking to those people. May those be the very people who pray the longest, to pray the hardest in the secret place, Lord God. And we lift up our churches to you, Father, and we say, make us a house of prayer for all nations forgive us if we've been when we've been distracted by anything else lord make us and build us into a house of prayer for you in jesus name hey e family online family that was a great message wasn't it we really want to fill the globe with all this teaching our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers so if you want to tap into more of these teachings you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget, we've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.